0: Vietnam Podcast. My name is Neil and I'm your host. This is season six. Don't forget you can go back through the whole catalog and find all five seasons of 7 Million Bikes. Make sure you subscribe and turn on the notifications. Follow 7 Million Bikes on Facebook. Go on there and give it a like. We're also on Instagram. If you do enjoy this content then please go on the link in the notes for patreon.com and you can become a member of a Vietnam Podcast and you get some cool benefits like free tickets. You'll get LA bonus content as well. If you just want to buy me a coffee, there's also a link in the show notes. You can send me a coffee as well. So thank you very much to the previous people that sent me coffees. They were very much enjoyed, so very, very much appreciated. So enjoy 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. I'm excited to introduce my guest today. She has a restaurant in Houston, Texas, where she spends half of her time pre-pandemic. Three restaurants in Saigon. Is a celebrity chef who's been featured on NBC, US Today, and currently has three shows on Netflix. My guest today is Nikki Tran.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: We had a bit of an ordeal trying to get this episode set up because you got locked out of your apartment.
1: Yes, I got locked out of my own apartment because uh, the the lock was something was wrong with the lock and I couldn't get my thumbprint registered. (laughs)
0: <laughs> when you told me, like, I kept my thumbs not working, I was like, what is your thumbprint changed suddenly? Like, at least one of these things that should work, right?" Uh,
1: yes, and um, it took me like three hours just sitting down outside of my my own room in my house. That was really, really frustrating.
0: <laughs> but you got in eventually, so and thank you for joining today.
1: Yes, I got in the next day. <laughs>
0: So, you're from Saigon originally, right?
1: Yes, I'm from Saigon originally. And I went to U.S. in my teenage years. And I spent, of course, a lot of time there. Um, then I came back here. Uh, at first, I just came back to visit. And I saw that the, the, the city changed so much. And at that time, I was working for Micron. Uh, it's a It's a, like... A chip, you know, a uh, chip maker in the U.S. is one of the biggest, and um, and I just wanted to change. I just, I was just a, a, at a point where I wanted to see um, what was out there, you know, outside of the U.S. Uh, because of course, before that, I, I, you know, when I got out of school and I started working always in the U.S., and I just wanted to, you know, go somewhere and explore the world. And, of course, at that time, you know, came coming back to Vietnam and looking, you know, at all the changes that had been made for the past, you know, so many years, I just felt like I was in a foreign country, you know, but I speak the language. So I thought, well, okay, let's give it a try. And I came back here. And I opened uh, uh, a restaurant because I I thought that, well, everyone seemed like eating and drinking, so maybe it's something easy. And I failed. (laughs) I failed big time. I'm I'm talking about really, really big.
0: What year was this?
1: 2010.
0: Right. And so you're not a trained chef?
1: No, I was a, I always called myself an accidental chef. Uh, I was thrown into the kitchen. I opened a few restaurants and I failed them all. And I decided to go back to the U.S. So I thought that I would never, ever open another restaurant in my life. And I swore that, you know. Uh, So I went back to the U.S., but I came back here one time. I just, I... uh, I before, but I opened a very very small shop, and that was meant as a, a gift for my uh, my employees. You know the employees that that uh, very loyal to me, and they helped me a lot uh, getting through all the tough time. But then they didn't want to do it because for them that was just too much, and uh, I was about to leave and just dump the lease and everything. But that very one night i was sitting with my friends and i bought some seafood from fukuoka island and i i cooked for them I you know i didn't really cook for them i just steam them And my friend said, wow, the seafood is so good. Why don't you open a restaurant? I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to open a restaurant anymore. They're like, no, you know, the restaurant that you opened was just too big. And then you had to have chef. Why don't you get something small, you know, like street food-like? And, uh, you know, I was drunk. And uh, the person that, uh, uh, who encouraged me to open that, she said, hey, I'm a very famous actress. You know, let me... uh, be a partner. Just give me some percentage, and I'll tell people that it's mine. I promote it, uh, but it's very small. You know, we have, like, four tables outside and three tables inside. Uh, very, very small. And at that very one night, I called up one guy that we found online, you know, so he remodeled the place. So it cost, like, $80 million uh, dong and I put down a deposit, you know, but we were all drunk, you know, we were very, very drunk that night. Uh, so the guy came, took the deposit, five million, and he left the next day. So I realized that it was just too late. I'm like, I'm not gonna open another restaurant. No, 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 you know, this is too much, you know, I'm gonna kill myself, you know. I failed and I lost a lot of money. I borrowed money from my my mom and, uh, you know, it was all gone and, I hated it, I hated it, but then I had no choice. My friend remember, I don't think she was as drunk as as, as I was, or maybe she was drunk too, but she was excited because she never had a restaurant before. So I, uh, yeah, and the guy came and of course, because it was so small, so he fixed it in like five days. And then we opened in seven days, you know, you know, from that night. Uh, but I call one of my, uh, former chefs and one of the, you know, that guy that I like him the most. So I call him, I said, can you come work for me? He said, yes, I can come work for you at night because in the daytime I work, I, 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 cook for a company. So it's not a restaurant. So it's just like a nine to five job. So at nighttime I could cook for you. I said, yeah, that's fine. Because in the daytime, my, my friend wanted to sell milk fresh milk out of that place. Um so that's that's fine, that's fine. And he promised that he would be there on the grand opening day and he never showed up. He never showed up. So eight o'clock eight o'clock at night time, you know, that's when we had, you know, the the grand opening Hour. We open at at that time because the the fortune teller that my friend got <laughs> he told her, uh, yeah, open at eight o'clock at night time. You know, you're gonna have you know good business, blah blah blah. And we invited her fans and uh, you know reporters and all the people in her industry. And she has she has a lot of friends. She has a lot of fans, and she's still a famous actress now uh she um anyways and we opened and and I didn't know what to do we didn't even have a menu so we I wrote it by hand you know with you know nine items you know steamed fish grilled fish and fried fish and then steamed squid you know fry and then uh grill you know and then some uh, some crabs that that was it
0: just everything three different ways steamed grilled or Fried.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with no you know seasoning <laughs> Just some fish sauce or some some salt and um and after one month that we had really 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 good business uh then it died down because her fans you know already saw her talk to her and uh That's when I just like, I I felt like I got slapped in the face that, hey, you know, you really need to cook seriously for the people that want to come to eat, but not for the people that come to see their idol. And then, you know, I started cooking, and and now I'm a chef.
0: (laughs) I want to just pick up on one thing, though, that made me laugh so hard. This might be the one drunk decision that turned out well in the history of mankind exactly everyone myself included has had a drunk night out with friends and you know it's always the same let's open a bar yeah we should open a bar definitely you never do it and probably if you do it doesn't turn out as successful as you would hope
1: yes that's that i think that's the 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 decision that i've made when i'm Drunk, that I am proud the most, and I'm glad that <laughs> I was drunk that night. Uh, so it changed my life, it did change my life, but I don't think that I don't, I really don't want to make another decision when I'm drunk, like the big decision when I'm drunk anymore. I think that's one is enough.
0: So before you were working for a, a microprocessing company?
1: I, the position that created when uh, I got into Micron, that was in 2008, and that was, you know, I was the last person that got hired uh, in the company, so they, um, because that, you know, the financial crisis, but my position was very different. You know, I I acted as a bridge between the engineering department, uh, business department, and production department because they all speak different languages. So they need like a translator. And that's the, you know, the kind of position that they decided to create. And I was one of the first people, but also the last people that, the last batch of people that uh, that got hired at that period of time. And we had a hiring freeze. Um, after two weeks or three weeks working there, being trained there, I saw my recruiter in the production department (laughs) getting trained also. And even the accounting department that uh, they have to go down to the production and everyone put in their time, you know. And that was one of the time that I treasured the most to because I learned how you know the corporate environment, but also the manufacturing environment, and also how people team up and how people uh, unite and how people fight. You know, with each other. You know, not with each other, but fight. You know, to to survive. Mm.
0: And at this point, you had no intentions or no idea you were going to go, you were going to go on to be a chef.
1: No, I had never ever in my life thought that i was going to be a chef that was just out of question I, I i i didn't like it i didn't like cooking i didn't um i i liked to own a restaurant but but i like to own a lot of things you know
0: <laughs> well i want to go back again this is it's absolutely crazy to me that you go from that no intention and then to be a successful chef so what made you open up all those restaurants then and failing and keep coming back.
1: I think I'm kind of stubborn because I'm not...
0: a. <laughs> that's a great answer. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, 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 that's just me. You know, when when you talk to, you know, of course when you get interviewed and then you always have to create a great story. But no, I, I don't give up. I really, I, don't, I don't give up. Um, I open. I think three or four restaurants in Vietnam when I failed. All
0: in but Saigon. In
1: Saigon, in Saigon and, and I really uh but then I just realized that I even though I spoke the language but I didn't understand the culture. And that's something that happened to a lot, a lot of Vietnamese people overseas that coming back to Vietnam to try to do something. And, of course, there are great people, there are smart people that it could make it, but there are so many people that like me that they think that they speak the language, you know, and they know the people, but the thing is that they don't know the culture.
0: I've heard yeah. this before from other, other people Yeah, I don't speak the language and I don't know the culture, so I'm really screwed.
1: No, but the thing is that when you go to a different uh, country and then you don't know the culture and then you you don't speak the language, so you're more careful, you know? And, And for us, I think we just underestimate, you know, the differences, the culture differences.
0: So was that very confusing then, coming back to Vietnam, your home country, and then learning, like, I don't understand this place?
1: Exactly, but after a few years, after a couple of years, I just realized that oops, I really don't understand this country at all. You know, I understand the language, but I don't understand.
0: You know, mm. Can you give I, an example of maybe one one example of what how that what that meant in reality of not understanding it, then understanding it, and that changing uh, the way things worked?
1: Can be very blunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Here people say things that I don't mean.
0: Yeah. I you know? Come or that.
1: they don't say the things that they mean. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I got, um, and I always think that if you bring, you know, if I bring what I know in the U.S. and try to make it better, um, I, I just say that I was just full of myself, you know. Mm. I thought that I, I, I knew better, but I didn't know anything. So when I um, decided to go back to the U.S., that was a very hard decision because, I, like I said, I just don't give up. Um, but uh, I ran out of money. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's something I've, I've come across what you explained, that I've come across that myself, and I've heard things about, you know when you're trying to get something done, like a project, you're trying to work with someone, if I remember it correctly, the way it was told to me, the more you hear yes, the more likely the answer will be no. So you'll go through this like, yep, yep, we're gonna do it, you'll get an email from someone else, yep, we're gonna do it, and then but the more you just keep hearing yes, it ultimately means no. It's only once you get get the the okay from the person above or the person who can okay the project, that's actually when something will happen. And that can make things last for much, straggle on for months or whatever, because you basically led along the golden path of, yeah, 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 we're going to do it, but there's no intention. Exactly,
1: And then there are, there are other people that they're hearing, but they're not listening. I run into that a lot. But I would say that it's not their fault, you know, like some of my employees, some of my employees are great, but some of my employees, I think that's the... Um, uh, the culture, the education, and a lot of things that, you know, like um, here, you just don't talk back or you just don't, you know, um, question mm. the teacher. Yeah, you know, you just, and so, and then and, and, and it's like, uh, mm, I think it's very passive, you know.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, I've noticed that in my time here. I've worked in the education system, and I know the hierarchy works. You don't answer back, like you're saying. You don't give. You don't really give your suggestions or feedback to your boss, right? Whatever the boss says is gospel.
1: Exactly. Same in
0: the education system, and so. And I've we've talked about this a lot back in season one and two. I I'm trying. To, I still try and understand the concept of saving faith, and I mm-hmm. wonder how much of it comes back into that. People don't like to say no, so where I'm kind of being a bit silly and saying you're led up the garden path and they keep saying yes. Part of it is because they don't want to say no because that looks bad on them. Is that Would that be a correct interpretation of that situation?
1: Yes, yes. And also, um, I just feel like, um, you know, the, the the communication here is very, very, very indirect. Like I always tell my employees, my customers or my friends uh, that if you have any question, if you need anything and if you want to change anything or your your voice your opinion just please tell me please tell me anything you know and my employees if they want to raise they would tell other employees that they want to raise you know or they want to quit you know but it's not sometimes it's just it's just simple as a a raise or maybe a couple of hours off but the thing is they don't want to say to me whenever i have a meeting And then I talked to all the people and said, please let me know. And if you feel like you can't talk in front of people, then just meet me in private and we get everything solved. But until now, you know, so many years in Vietnam, it's still the same. You know, they want something. Uh, So I, I, but I learned, I learned not to, uh, I still say that so that they register in their mind, you know, eventually. But I, um. I take people out and I talk to them, you know. Sometimes take them out drinking and talk to them. <laughs> drinking and, is yeah. probably the
0: best <laughs> way when you can have a, a small one-on-one conversation. Get it's,
1: them drunk and they'll tell you everything. Yeah, then they'll lose lips,
0: right? <laughs> you know? It's something you yeah, have heard about often uh, in Vietnam and it is a cultural thing. And, I, you know, you can see it, like, Tell me, and then they'll nod and say yes, but then they still won't do it. And it's just, I think it's ingrained so much. So I guess you you start to understand the culture. Like you say, then you can go out and have a drink, which maybe you wouldn't do in the West. You know, maybe you wouldn't do that in America. You wouldn't take your employees out drinking, but then maybe that's a small thing you learn here. Oh, I need to take them out and have some beers, and I'm going to learn a bit more about them, things like that.
1: Exactly. And for me, going back to the U.S. and opening a restaurant while I already established my name and I already have, you know, some name, some name or some name recognition there already, it was a shock, too. It was a total shock because Rebell's I've been gone for, for too long. <laughs> and uh, and I don't know what to say, but uh, I don't know if it's as... It's, it's, uh, Politically incorrect, but I feel like the work ethic that I had been changed to is different from the time that I was there. Um, but I'm not. I'm not gonna get into that. <laughs> However, I I I uh, I have very good team with me now. I have great people working with me now, and even though I'm far away, I have my 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 partners and I have my uh, my employees that they're really really great. Uh, However, in the beginning, of course, I went through people like crazy, just like, you know, in Vietnam in the beginning. And there was things that shocked me. And, there, you know, how the culture of everything that you just go online and you just yap, 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 you know, uh, about something that you don't like, instead of going straight to the owner or the manager said, hey, I don't like this dish. And I just feel like, wow, so it's just as indirect. As Vietnam now, you know, uh, and uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, before I got really frustrated when I opened my restaurant in Vietnam, but then now I, I started to learn it. I, I, I learned to love my employees um, and it's not just learning to love them, but I love them because, you know, we have to see them as you know, as people, as person. Uh, and of course, there are people that you want to strangle, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 uh, I had to look deep, you know, underneath, you know, their background, their you know, their family background, and a, a, a lot of things. Uh, and but one thing I, I I feel is that the the love that um, they have for me also mutual, you know, and and. Over here, I could ask my employees, hey, could you do this for me? Could you do that for me? Can you go get something for me? And and it's not about taking advantage of them, but that's, that's like family. like right? mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, or when I'm sick, they said, boss, I'll make you something to eat. Oh, that's awesome. Or, yeah. you know, and, and they go back to the countryside, they always get, you know, fruit or something, um, some gifts for me. And then we're very close. Whereas if I do something like that in the U.S., hey, can you go wash my car? You know, I'd be like, i will got to be zoomed. Yeah. But over here, it's different. But they ask me the same thing, too. Hey, boss, can you get this for me, get that for mm-hmm. me? Uh, and, and here, it's more, um, it's not as professional as in the U.S., but it's more very close-knit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's very family-oriented. Yeah. And, and, and I like both, you know, because... Um, my restaurant in in the U.S. is uh it's not like here.
0: I was gonna say, so that must be like really challenging to have restaurants in both countries. They would have to be managed so differently.
1: Very, very, you know. But in the beginning, when uh, I opened my restaurant in the U.S., I got culture shock too. And in my own country, you know, I still consider myself a fish sauce American. So a fish and, <laughs>
0: sauce American? Is that a new term or is that... That's my, turn. That you, I That's like my that. term. I like that. I'm going to put yeah. that on the podcast title. You're a fish sauce American. I'm going to
1: tattoo it. <laughs> 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 my neck. fish sauce American. Um, so, but I stayed there for the first six months. I stayed there, you know, more than I spent my time in Vietnam. And I, I had to relearn everything. Um, But then after that, just two weeks here, two weeks there. In the beginning, it was really hard, too, because you just, you culture shock yourself, you know, just like. (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, 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 uh. Jeez, that is some, that's a mental workout. You're going to switch every two weeks? Yes. But then when I
1: was in the U.S., I just felt like, oh, I have to be, you know, this person. I have to be very professional, and I can't, you know, talk to my, uh, my employees and I—I I could joke with the guys, but you know, with the female employees, I have to be very careful. You know, <laughs> um, um, just to be cautious. Uh, but they all they they were all great. I just didn't want to, you know, get sued or anything. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. yeah. Um, I did take them out to drink, and they loved it. But then my friend said, "Hey, you know." Don't do that too much, okay? I said, okay, okay, okay. So, and then when I just as soon as I get back to Vietnam, then all my all my employees said, boss, take us out to eat, drink. You know, we have to drink, we have to drink. You know, and then I'd be, you know, two weeks here, I'd be drinking with them every night. You know, because some of them even live in my house. Uh, so I'll, I'll 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 drink with them I'll be drinking with them every night, and then I go back to the u s and I'll be very professional you know and <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's such a, a stark contrast so you you're from Houston in the u s which has the second biggest Vietnamese population in the u s right yes now tell me more about that because that we've interviewed other people on the show like Tam Le who uh, I'm Should remember this, but it was a long time ago that I interviewed Tamley. I think she's from Houston as well. Have you met her before? She ran Saigonita, the Saigonista, Saigonita. So we interviewed Tamley. She's from Houston. We've interviewed Vietnamese people from around the world and in America. And and from what I've learned and we've talked about it, um, there's like a not a rivalry, but there's like a difference. There's different types of Vietnamese people, basically, right?
1: Yes. I think too many. <laughs> you can't just say, like, to one or two groups. It's just that too many, too too many layers, you know. Uh, the people that have uh, been there for a long time, the people that just, you know, just got there, and then the kids that were born there, um, and the kids that just, you know, in their teenage years or a little bit younger but then they all pick different crowd to uh to hang out. You know, there are some kids that are just like American, but there are kids that were born there but they still very, you know, Asian culture, you know, Vietnamese culture influenced. Um, and they're, you know, Vietnamese people, Vietnamese American, that will not hang out with white people or, or black people or, or or brown people. You know, they just hang out with their community, um, or and, and and they're just not the the. You know, it's 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 also different too, because you 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 have the Vietnamese that are very very Vietnamese, so they always hang out with Vietnamese, and they have you have the Vietnamese that uh, were born there or, you know, when they're, when they're very, very young. However, they still don't wanna hang out with other races and they hang out with the people just like them, you know, and they don't wanna hang out with the people that speak, that don't speak English well. But, you know, and then, and then you have the Vietnamese that don't want anything to do with the Vietnamese. So there's so many, so many groups, and 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 I just feel like sometimes uh, it's suffocating for me.
0: As a as an outsider in the U.S., they must just look at Vietnamese people as a monolith in in the U.S. They're like, "Oh, you're all the same," but like <laughs> not at all, right? But I
1: think I pay attention too much, you know. Be uh, when I was in school, I loved to to. Uh, you know, take courses in social studies, anthropology. You know, anything that you know. I observe people, and um I don't think I have read anything about you know how Vietnamese people divided into groups like that. But with me, but I'm the kind of person that I could hang out with anybody. So I. I, I see that, you know, I, I, I feel that. And um I could talk to someone that who went to the US in seventy five or even before seventy five that people there, that they've been there for a long time. And then um or I could talk to someone that just got there yesterday.
0: Mm. Um well, that's what I was gonna ask, whether you fit into that
1: I think I fit in all of them. Too. <laughs> all of them.
0: One of the things I found interesting when I talked to Tam Le was that you ha- there's a very stark difference between pre- like the 1975 people and post 1975. And one of the things that I found fascinating was like so for Tam Le, her mum and dad spoke a different type of Vietnamese. So they used words in Vietnamese that now didn't exist because you know, language changes. But th- for them, language stopped in 1975. So it was like the word for airport, which I can't remember now, but her mom and dad would say like, are you going to yeah. the Vietnamese word yes. for airport? And she's like, oh no, we don't call shung it. Bai. Yeah, that's and right. It's
1: called and they call it bai. There you go, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, she yes, said yes, that yes. things
0: like that would be, um, not confusing, but j- I found that really interesting. And they were confused that she wanted, so she came back to Vietnam. And uh, from many... Um, VHQ people I've spoke to, that's a common theme is their parents are, which again, I find really fascinating. Their parents are like, why would you go back to Vietnam? Because they made such an effort to leave. They literally, their parents were like boat people that risked their lives to get out of Vietnam. And then your offspring is like, I'm going back.
1: I, um, I have been asked that question a lot, a lot, a lot. And there are people that refused to acknowledge that Vietnam has been changing, you know, has been changed and it still still changing. And uh, when I tell them Saigon is a very dynamic city and they just don't believe me and they just they just hate me. They're like, you come on this. I said, no, oh, I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> just telling the truth, you know. Uh, yeah, and they
0: said that their parents were like, they would be scared to come back themselves because they still think that they might be persecuted or whatnot because they left and and their children have had to be like, no, no, it's not like that now. It's completely different.
1: I think that part of it, but also there are people that, uh, that uh, they refuse to see that. Of course, you know, I understand what they, they, they had gone through, but uh, there are people that refuse to, to, to want to see that Vietnam has, you know, made progress. Mm. And uh, I wouldn't say, like, you know, all the way, but it has changed a lot. Mm. And also, there are people that want to see... Some people that want to see Vietnam as a poorer country, and maybe because it makes them feel better. But also, there are people that, you know, they were traumatized because all the experience that they they went through or the boat people i have you know friends that that went through terrible things and and that's something like you know the uh ptsd Mm. that they don't want to go back to where that they felt so uh traumatized it makes
0: complete sense i've mentioned that a few times I'm listening right now to a podcast, which you said you didn't know what podcasts are, so I'll need to send you this one. It's called Vietnamese Boat People, and it's by a woman in America called Tracy Nguyen, who, if you are listening, Tracy, we want to get you on this show. So we've sent Tracy an email and a message to try and interview her. So she started it out as a family project interviewing her mum and dad, who were boat people. And again, this common theme that I've learned as I've spoken to people about it is because of the traumatization and the PTSD, most parents won't talk about it or haven't actually shared these stories with their children. Because why would you want to share that? But what this woman, Tracy Nguyen, and her family are doing, they're talking to their mum and dad, they're recording it, and then it's become really big now. They've just been um, highlighted in Forbes magazine. They interview people all over the US and the world, I think, sharing their stories about about that, and it's bringing that issue to light more. I've read some books about it. I mean, it is a really absolutely horrible thing that people went through when they fled Vietnam by boat. So I can understand why, yeah, they wouldn't want to come back.
1: Uh, yes, I understand why, too. But there are also that people didn't go there by boat, <laughs> but they're still like, oh, I'm better, you know. There's But there are other, you know, like all kind of people. It's, it's a society, right? Um, and... Um, a lot of people that when they went to the U.S., Vietnam stopped right there. The language, the culture, and a lot of things. And and it's funny. Uh, you should look into this. There's a group on Facebook, and <laughs> it's called Asian Children with um, Trump-loving Parents. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I'm I'm so sorry that I'm I'll send it to you. I'm so sorry that I have to bring this up, but I think it's really really funny and it's sad too. You know why? Because um, the parents, um, not talking about Trump or Biden, I'm not talking, but I just see how you know uh, hard it is for them to be in a house that their parents have a different set of belief and you know political opinion and, and their parents said we brought you here not to be communist uh, we brought you here for you to go to school and then now you turn into communist and then uh or they get because trashed by yes or or they get trashed like oh all college kids don't know nothing. And then they said, well, then why do you send me to school then? You know, and you send me to school to have an opinion, you know, to 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 know the world, to see the world, you know, with my own view. And um, and then there are people they're actually parents that force their kids to vote for Trump and, you know, and their kids that run away I'm telling you 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 should get there and um and and and, and learn about it yeah you know, to, to me it's not about Trump or Biden but I'm just see you know how conservative those parents still are but also how the culture of you know only older people are right um, it's just it's it, 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 it's 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 sad, but to me it's funny at the same time because I read a lot of funny stories and there are ki- kids that lock themselves in the room or they get beaten up too, you know. And and they said They're old as, enough
0: to vote, but they
1: still get beaten up. They get yes, that, that that's sad, you know. And then they said that you know, and there, there are kids that of uh, uh, here you would never, you know, hear anyone saying that. But the kids said, you know, as soon as I can, as soon as I grow up, and as soon as they're old enough, I'm going to put them in nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> and to Vietnamese, I think that's a nightmare. Yeah. You know, it's just, you, you just don't put your parents in nursing home, you know. I, I, I have nothing against it, but, but the culture, you know, they like to love, you know, with the... You know, three, four different generations yeah, in a yeah, yeah. in a house. They said, "I'm going to send her to. I'm going <laughs> to send my mom. I'm going to send my dad to nursing home." Oh, I'm running away! I'm running away! And and, and they, they 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 ask themselves how to get away from home, and and yes, there there are horror stories about it, and and I think it's it's, it's um. Uh, I think that, the parents should really go into that and read it. And it's not just for Trump or Biden or anything, but just look at how different and how hard it is for the kids to be born in the US but not live, you know, a hundred percent like, you know, American culture. And they still have to follow very strict sets of Vietnamese culture, Asian cultures. Uh but on the other hand, I think they're torn. You know, they're very, very torn to see how their friends, you know, um, how much freedom they have, um, you know, how at home. And they hang out with other kids, and they just feel like, oh, and then and you, should, you should read it. And they're like, oh, I'm, because I'm Vietnamese, so I can't do that, I can't do this. And they still, they still t- t- stuck to. But whereas, you know, if the, the kids go to the U.S. at a different age and they used to, you know, the culture already. However, you know, the Vietnamese people changed too. So now in Saigon or, you know, some big cities or even small cities, um, people are not as strict like that. So I just feel like, I I feel bad for them. I I feel sad, you know. Um, But on the other hand, like I said, you know, uh, I find it sunny, f- funny, funny in, in a sarcastic way. You know, it's it's. Uh, so, um, I I read in that group all the time, all the times, and I just I just feel like, oops, I don't know what yeah. I'm gonna do if I have kids. I think I don't know, you know, how I raise them in a very, you know, free, you know, mm-hmm. environment, but also have them. I think I have a. a you know, half and half of you know, I, I want to teach them the best of both worlds, you know, with the uh, the closeness mm. of Asian family, but also, you know, they're free to to speak up their mind. but uh,
0: well the world is the world is so complex now because of, you know, migration, I guess. we have these mixings of cultures, which, so, to me, I find it interesting and I love talking to people like yourself because it exposes me to these different ways of thinking and cultures. Because I'm from Scotland and my family are all white, you know, mm. and I'm from a monoculture. I don't, I'm not exposed to that um, mixing of, of cultures. And so, I, I can, from the amount of people I've spoken to on the podcast and in real life, it, I know that it's so challenging and so difficult because you've got these opposing views almost coming together and your mum the mums and dad's parents have moved their children to somewhere for a better life like you said or a different education or whatnot but then they still impose those cultural beliefs that they've taken with them and that it must be so difficult for you then so how did your parents react to you moving back and forth between countries going from working for a to then being a chef how did that play out If you're enjoying this episode, then just go straight on to the next one. We've split this into two parts. That's the end of part one. If you want to take a break, then you can do that and go back to part two later, where you can hear Nikki's answer and we talk about a lot more. It's a really interesting conversation, and we talked about so much that I decided to make this episode two parts. So I hope you're enjoying, and if you want to keep listening, go right ahead. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. Don't forget to subscribe from wherever you're listening from right now. Turn on the notifications as well so you never miss an episode. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you go back through. We've got five seasons of amazing guests that you can listen to their stories as well. Please get in touch. I always love to hear from our listeners. It's one of the best things when I wake up in the morning and I open up Instagram or Facebook and I've had a message from someone telling me that they've been listening from America or Australia or anywhere in the world. So please let me know where you're listening from or Vietnam as well, obviously. Um, I always love to hear from people. I want to give a massive thank you again to our Patreon members, Brandon Thompson and Zion Johnson. If you do enjoy this content, you can support 7 Million Bikes, of Vietnam podcast on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. You can become a member of a Vietnam podcast and get access to exclusive member benefits like free tickets to comedy shows or even a free 7 Million Bikes t-shirt as well. So check that out in the show notes, as I said. And you can also buy me a coffee, or a beer if you want on coffee.com. So make sure you check that out. So thanks again for listening. Really hope you enjoy season six and you can stay tuned for the future episodes. Cheers.